Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions, hosted by author, speaker, coach, and singer-songwriter Creelan Peters, also known as the Fear Whisperer. Listen in as Creelan interviews powerful people who have tamed their fears, learned to embrace their greatness, and gotten out of their own damn way. And now, Creelan Peters. Hi, and welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. I'm your host, Creelan Peters, and today is the very first of the jam session. So I want to welcome you all and thank you so much for tuning in. My name's Creelan, like I said, and I created this series to really help bring inspirational stories of people who have really overcome some deep crap and who have really dealt with fear, really dealt with their own demons, um, really just kind of gotten through and gotten to the other side. And today's show, since it's the very first one, is going to be a little bit different than the rest of them because today I'm going to be sharing my own story about how I've been able to get out of my own damn way. And so I don't have anyone interviewing me. I'm just kind of going off, you know, the flying by the seat of my pants here uh, kind of like I do with the other interviews. It's not scripted. I'm just here to share my story of how I've gotten out of my own damn way and how I've really come to this process and come through so much stuff. So I was I was kind of thinking about sharing my story with you all. I was thinking, well, how do I want to do this? Do I want to, you know, write out some specific kind of items that I want to share, some events, some challenges, whatever, or do I want to just go by divine guidance, and that's kind of usually how I how I go through in conversations with other people. So I've got some things that I want to make sure that I share that I've got in front of me, but most of it's really just going to be coming through me as what I think needs to be shared right now. If you've been following me for any length of time, if you've been in my tribe, gotten my emails, my newsletters, um, been to any of my workshops or online events, you know that I, I share my story a lot. I share about where I've come from. I've shared, I share about my upbringing. I, I, I kind of am one of those people who I, I always tell on myself, <laughs> and I laugh because um, when I used to work for other people, uh, one of the things that my bosses loved about me is that I would always let them know when when I did something wrong, made a mistake, you know, anything like that. So, And not that any of this is a mistake, but it, it's so funny. I, I'm so used to sharing so much about who I am. So some of you out there may already have some inclination, but I'm just going to start by saying that I was raised in a very chaotic home environment. I know a lot of us have been, um, have these um, traumatic or abusive or otherwise not so perfect or ideal childhoods. And I'm certainly no exception. So when I was growing up, I, you know, lived with both my parents. I have an older sister. And we were pretty well-to-do family. We were in the suburbs right outside of Chicago, and to the outside world, we looked like a perfect family. We went to church on Sundays. 
Um, my parents both worked, both had college education. Um, my sister and I were taken care of as far as material things. We lived in a nice house. We lived um, in a small town. We, you know, it was just kind of um, on the outside it looked like this perfect family. But on the inside, it was a totally different story. So on the inside, and being on the inside of where I lived, was really scary and confusing. Both my parents were alcoholics. And so if anyone knows about that addiction, or any addiction for that matter, you know that it's just you never know from one day to the next what things are going to be like. It's so unpredictable. It can be frightening. It can be just a very confusing thing for a young child to have to deal with. But on top of that, my parents each were dealing with some pretty intense demons of their own. My father, and I usually don't share a lot about my father, but my father was a war veteran. Um, he fought in the Korean War and had some PTSD. It was never diagnosed. We never really talked about it. But in hearing his stories over the years, my dad loves to tell stories, you know, it's pretty obvious that he had some PTSD symptoms um, when he came home from the war that really affected him for a long period of time and to some extent still affect him today. And he's, you know, he's like 81 years old. Um, but then there was my mom, and this is the story that I share the most often with people, that my mom was very mentally ill, and she was diagnosed with depression, um, but she had a lot of other things going on. So she had a lot of mood swings. We never knew what kind of mood she was going to be in. She could go from being your best friend, being really upbeat, to yelling because anything could have triggered her. I mean, seriously, we never knew what could trigger my mom into being angry, and she would lash out verbally. She was physically abusive to my sister. My sister was physically abusive to me. It was, ugh, it was, it was horrible. And so growing up like that, it was just so difficult and so challenging and I, I was in survival mode so my sister and I kind of went to opposite ends when dealing with this childhood my sister was the very outspoken she would call things out like why are you acting this way and you know she was very open about her disgust and about her confusion and she would, you know, she's she's kind of a rebel, and she always has been. And she really kind of bucked up against the system. She'd question authority, not only at home, but in other places. My sister, um, she has this wonderful gift of being able to see when things aren't right or when things aren't honest, and she'll call it out. Well, for any of those those of you out there who know, in the type of situation where there's addiction or untreated mental illness or just, you know, where people aren't dealing with stuff, the last thing you want is someone who calls it out 
And so my sister got a lot more of the abuse than I did. I was more neglected. Um, and I, I kind of took the different path. So while my sister would be very open and vocal about it, I just kind of sat back. I watched my sister, who's six years older than me, and I watched what she had to deal with, with being lashed out at, with being punished, with being, you know, my mom would even tell people outside of our family that my sister was doing things that she wasn't doing um, to to gain sympathy. And so a lot of people had very negative reactions about my sister, and it really kind of ostracized her in our local community and within our, you know, friend and, and spiritual community. And it was a very hard thing to watch. So while my sister was going through that, I would say, like, oh, my gosh, I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm this horrible person. I don't want people to think that I'm um, a bad girl, quote, unquote. So I went down the good girl route, and I did everything, quote, unquote, right. And I say, quote, unquote, right, because is there really a right or wrong way to deal with that? And I don't know. I think that's different for each of us. But for me, I I saw what my sister did, and I wanted to do the complete opposite. I wanted people to love me. I I was the people pleaser. I was the good girl. So I did what was expected of me. And by, by the time I was eight, and I remember eight being such a pivotal age because we had just moved into a new home, and, um, my mom got a promotion and was working in corporate America um, in human resources during the whole civil rights movement and um, was, was really, really key in that movement with her company and um, did some wonderful work. But, you know, it also took her away uh, from from our home and, um, you know, created more issues. So, um, and like I said earlier, I felt more neglected in my family. So I really just, I went to school. I tried to get the best grades I could. I, I didn't get in trouble. I kind of anticipated a lot what I needed to do to be the good girl, to be in favor. And so I learned at a really early age to be quiet and to not speak up, and I I feel like I was really hidden. So part of my mom's mental illness was her needing to be the center of attention. And so there was this competition that was created between my mom and my sister because my sister was very much similar to that. And then I was kind of in the background of, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't want that kind of attention because, I, I didn't see it as a positive thing. So I, I kind of internalized that and really hid and didn't want to be visible. I didn't want to be seen because the the consequence of that was so tremendously negative in my opinion. So I, I just wanted to do everything that I could to to stay low, to stay under the radar. And so this is kind of how I grew up, and I was kind of the favorite child. Um, my sister was the uh, what we would call the scapegoat 
for anyone out there who understands um, the roles in an addiction family. Um, and so I just, I, we were, kind of went along this way for years. And so, of course, this affected my relationship with my sister. Um, it affected my relationship with my mother. Uh, my dad, you know, wasn't really too involved. He he was kind of similar to me um, in that he was kind of just back in the shadows. Um, and And so he wasn't really involved too much, and then my parents got divorced, so he wasn't around very much anymore. And I was really raised by my mom, and my sister um, was older than me, so she went and lived with our dad and then was on her own. So I kind of grew up in this chaos, and then the divorce happened, and then there was just me trying to please my mom and not make waves and just do everything that was expected. So... Fast forward, I realized that I wanted to help people, and I didn't realize this until many years later, but looking back, I can say I really was drawn into wanting to help other people not have to deal with this kind of crappy childhood. And so I was really drawn into psychology and counseling and healing, and I went on to get my bachelor's degree in psychology with this dream of having my own practice and really helping people to deal with the effects of a crappy childhood and wanting to better their lives and and all of that. And so I really focused on my studies. I became an overachiever. I became a workaholic because that's where I got my success. That's where I got my um, accolades, my acknowledgement, all of that. And, and that's where I could appease my mom. And then in my early 20s, I got married, I had a child, and then my world came crashing down again because I got a call from my sister that my mom was in the hospital and they didn't know what was wrong with her. And at this time I was living in Michigan. My husband and I had moved there because he was going to graduate school. And I get this frantic call from my sister. And so what happened was My mom had attempted suicide, and we knew that she had done this before a couple times. My sister and I knew that, but then as family started gathering and friends started gathering, because this was a very serious attempt, it was actually a miracle that she survived. She took, oh my gosh, I think it was 500 Tylenol and washed it down with a half a bottle of wine and wasn't found for, I think, nearly 24 hours by my sister. So I flew from Michigan to Arizona expecting to bury my mother. And like I said, we had we had called in all the family, so her sister came out, her cousin, Um, her brother, 
and me and my sister, and we had also been in touch with my mom's best friend. And between all of us pieced together that this wasn't the first or the second or the third suicide attempt. This was the sixth suicide attempt that my mom had made. And it was an incredible, pivotal time in my life because when I walked into that hospital room, right when I got there, my mom was awake. She had a tube in her throat so she could not speak. And she had charcoal-stained lips. So they had used charcoal to pump her stomach, barely got anything out because, again, it had been so long since the time she had taken all of the pills until the time that she was found and then even longer until she got to the hospital. But I remember, I will never forget, her looking at me with these charcoal-stained lips and her eyes were just vacant. And the only way she could communicate was writing. She had a pad of paper and a pen that she was holding. So I walk in. I'm crying. I'm so happy that she's awake. And she scribbles something on her pad and hands it to me. And the note says, I love you, but I want to die. I mean, wow. This was the pivotal moment in my relationship with my mother that we were never able to recover from. It changed everything for me. As a young mother, my son was about 18 months old, I think, at the time. I was in a new marriage that was falling apart and that would eventually end in divorce just a couple years later. I was in the midst of tremendous change in my professional life. And then here I have my mom who doesn't want to live. So I realized at that point that I needed to learn how to survive without my mom. I needed to learn how to survive completely on my own. Like I said, my marriage was falling apart and things were just in such a state of change for me. So fast forward, I've moved back to Arizona with my son. I'm now divorced and decide that I need to get back to my dream of helping people. And so I went back to school. I got my master's degree in counseling and you know, I look back on all these pivotal moments in my life and I realize that there was such challenge that happened right before transformation. And that, that's one of the reasons I started this interview series was to really highlight that transformation is possible and it, it really a lot of times does come out of struggle and it comes out of challenge. And that's so not different from how I've experienced life and how I've been able to move through knowing that even if I'm faced with challenges, that something good's going to come out of it. So, and I stopped to say that for a minute because as I'm thinking about going back to school, 
I got into a car accident and had to have surgery. I had to have ACL reconstruction surgery on my right knee. And um, for any of you who know what that injury is, that was, like, pretty major. I was, you know, pretty much laid up in bed and um, having to be transported by my sister to physical therapy like three times a week, and then I had surgery, more physical therapy. I mean, I was pretty much not very mobile for several months. And in the midst of my recovery, I'm like, what could I do to create more challenge? No, I didn't say it that way. But, you know, for me, I'm not one to back down from challenge or from going after something I want. So I decided to enroll in graduate school while I was on crutches. And I I laugh at that because in order to even get to my first few classes, I had to call students who I didn't know who were in my class and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but I need to get to class and I need a ride. So I remember becoming really close friends with Cindy and Kevin. If you're out there listening, hi, Cindy and Kevin, who graciously went out of their way to come pick me up to take me to grad school because I wasn't going to let a little thing, haha, little thing, like ACL reconstruction or being on crutches stop me from my dream. So I did that, and it was such a blessing to go back to school and to get my master's degree in counseling and, and to really get that much closer to what I wanted to do. So after graduate school, I became a licensed psychotherapist, and I worked in outpatient clinics with adults, with kids, with families. Um, And I really specialized uh, in working with women who had mood disorders, depression, um, anxiety, bipolar, those kinds of things, and and really um, took an interest in helping with those types of issues and then morphed into helping kids and uh, kids with trauma and abuse and really loved working with that. And, you know, looking at my own history, realized, wow, it's, it's no wonder I was drawn to these types of clients because it was um, it's exactly who I was here to be. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know what your experience is with spirituality, with past life, with um, with different alternative ways of looking at things. But I, I truly believe that um, we kind of pick who our parents are. We pick our path. We pick the challenges that we're going to face in this life. Um, and recently talking to a couple people about this concept of asking the universe or God or whatever deity or or thing that you believe in, um, if you ask for being fearless or you ask for your fear to be taken away or you ask for your... Um, for to have a, a strong, healthy relationship, you don't get those things hand-delivered to you on a silver platter. What you get instead are opportunities to deal with those things. So for me, looking back at some of these challenges, and trust me, there's a ton more <laughs> 
challenges that I faced in my life, but that's what I was guided to share with you today is my my childhood story and and my mother and and all of that. But we are we are dealt this not because we have asked for things to be easy. We've we've asked for a specific thing and then we're given these challenges so that we can overcome them and learn how to deal with those challenges. And I believe even a step further is not only we're dealing with it, but we are showing other people the way. We're showing people that it can be done. We're living by example. And I truly believe that we all come into our calling through our intense personal challenges. I know that's been true for me. So I felt called to help people who have dealt with whatever it is um, from their past or what's keeping them stuck now. And that's been all part of my journey in discovering who I am and who I'm here to help. Um, And I really believe that I'm here to help people to understand that fear is part of the process and to understand that challenge is part of the process. I had um, a while ago, gosh, I, I just rebranded my whole my whole business. Um, my new brand is Get Out of Your Own Damn Way. Um, but before that, I had a couple other different brands, and um, and they came from other things that I was very interested in, but it didn't resonate as well as as this one does. So I came into this really from this personal journey that I've had and through all the struggles that I've had as far as my family, as far as my self-doubt, as far as my confidence, as far, you know, all of these things that have really affected me. And I believe that other people are called to their greatness. And we can choose to hide. We can choose to fight. We can choose to be confused. We can choose to be fearful and let fear stop us. Those all have consequences. But we can also choose differently. And I wouldn't do this work if I didn't think that. I kind of left the whole psychology, psychotherapy field and became a coach. And some people ask me why I did that. They ask me, what's the difference? You know, that's one of the questions I get asked. What's the difference between therapy and coaching? And then also, well, why why would you leave that? It's such a prestigious field. And I have to say, it's been a sticking point for me because I was a psychotherapist for such a long period of time, for like um, 13 years, and saw a lot of growth in my clients and really loved helping in that way. 
and as part of my own development, realized that I wasn't the healthiest that I could be, which meant that I wasn't able to help people in the way that I wanted to help people. And so I transitioned into doing coaching as a way to be more of a teacher. And I, I used to do a lot of teaching with my, my therapy clients as well. As a matter of fact, I would redesign group curriculum so that I could really educate people because I, I believe that telling our story is important, obviously, because I'm doing this interview series and I'm helping other people share their stories as well. But if you just leave it at sharing your story, you're missing something. You're missing a tremendous thing. And this is what I love to teach, is that we have choices. We can let our stories define us. We can let our stories keep us in a victim role or in a place that isn't getting us to where we want or we can learn from it. We can transcend our story. We can use our story to transform. And we can use our story to help other people by showing them that, yeah, life can really freaking suck. But, wow, look what came out of this. I would not be where I am today being able to help clients all over the world, being able to teach being able to speak at professional conferences and to share my gospel of getting out of your own damn way. If I had not have gone through an abusive and neglectful childhood, if I had not gone through a horrible marriage, if I had not gone through being a single mom raising a child with Asperger's, um, if I had not gone through business, failure, if I had not gone through, um, you know, almost dying when I was 12 years old from a very rare autoimmune disease. I mean, there's just so much that we go through, and and I would not be where I'm at today if I hadn't have had all of those experiences and been able to go, crap, you know, I really... I, I can do this. I, I'm strong for having dealt with all of that. I'm, I'm strong for having gone through that and said, you know what, it's okay that my mom is ill, but I choose not to let that be my story. I choose not to let that keep me from being who I'm meant to be. Because if I had listened to all the programming I had as a child, I would still be the wallflower. I would still be hiding. I would still be so afraid of getting out there. Do you think I'd be opening up the lines to people all over the world to be listening to my story? Hell no. I wouldn't do that. That's not what good girls do. Good girls don't share their family secrets. But you know what? <laughs> it doesn't make me a bad girl. It just makes me someone who sees the value in sharing my story to help other people, to help inspire other people to know that you can get through 
whatever it is, you can get through it and you can move to the other side. And the thing about moving to the other side is that it doesn't necessarily mean, actually, no, no, let me rephrase that. It definitely does not mean that you're perfect or that you are never going to have a setback or that you are the shiz that is the expert that's never going to have a problem, an issue, or a challenge ever again. That is not what that means. But the more success we have in getting through it, in moving through the fear, in getting out of our own damn way, the easier it is the next time. And we also have this evidence that says we can do it, that it's possible. So my hope for my new brand, for my new interview series, and for all of those of you out there listening to this, my hope is that you get some little light of inspiration and that you have some voice that awakens within you that tells you how beautiful, how wonderful, how kick-ass you are, period. There's no condition. There's no, well... Yeah, I'm 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 good, but you know, I've really been through the ringer. Well, you know what? Who hasn't been through the ringer? But that is not who you are. Who you are is how you choose to be. Do you choose darkness or do you choose light? Do you choose struggle and victimhood? Or do you choose hope and getting through it? So again, this is my message, is that it's possible to tame those fears and embrace that greatness and get out of your own damn way. So thank you so much for tuning in to listen to a piece of my story and how I came to be the fear whisperer and to help people get out of their own damn way. I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy life to listen in. And I hope you continue to listen because I have some wonderful, fantabulous, kick-ass guests coming up in this weekly series who are going to share some pretty amazing things with you and to show you that it is possible to get out of your own damn way. So thank you so much for tuning in. And please tell your friends to tune in as well. I appreciate you and I see you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions with Creelan Peters. Join us next time for more inspirational stories and invite your friends to join us at www.creelan.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. That's www.krylyn.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. Thanks for tuning in.